And we began this, this whole collection and the concept of this collection because we're going through uh, a lot of transitions at our church, and we uh, wanted to address that and say you know, that we relate to, to that, you relate to it. It was good to see Todd up here this morning. He is uh, uh, new on our staff. Uh, today represents, uh, marks the first day of, of Clay's uh, transition into his new chapter. We've uh, had the deep benefit of being together for 10 years, and now he launches into uh, whatever God is writing for him. Uh, but as I mentioned last week, we anticip- didn't anticipate that even though we were talking kind of as a church family and transitions that we're going through, that I did not uh, see uh, how many transitions uh, we are going through individually. And I've heard from so many people who have who have said, man, I'm going through this transition. This is really hitting home for me. It may be a transition of health. It may be a relational transition. There may be newborns. There may be sending your kids to school for the first time. Um, there may be deeply felt uh, transitions that are happening in, in people's lives. Uh, this very week, we um, m- many of us had a, um, a close friend who transitioned from this life to the next. Um, we are grieving that together, grieving it as a family. And, um, and so with all that has happened this week for some of us, we... Uh, I, 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 the message was finished, written on Wednesday, and I, I couldn't bring that one, to be honest, and so spent the day yesterday being sensitive to where God is leading and has led and, and the things that have happened this past week, and to say, God, what do we need as a family, especially for those who are going through a very difficult transition? And so we begin today by recognizing uh, the need that we have as human beings, Whatever that transition is that you may be going through, there is a need to be known. Even if you're like me and you're an introvert and you enjoy space and private space, there's something deep down in each of us that somebody needs to know. And when somebody knows, somehow that makes things different. It makes things better. And then we look at God, and we want God to know. And in our, in our limited humanity, we often inform God. Do you, have you ever been in that position where you're, you're telling God the things that, we, that he already knows, and yet it feels like we need to, and it's right to, and there's nothing wrong with informing God of what you're going through. There's a mystery in prayer and conversation with God, and yet God assures us that even before we say those things, he has this knowledge of, of these things. I'm reminded today of the Sermon on the Mount for Jesus' first public sermon. And in that sermon in Matthew 6, 8, he says, your father knows what you need before you ask him. How mysterious, how miraculous. In the psalm that we just sang from, that our worship leaders here just sang from, Psalm 139, God assures us that before a word is on my tongue, David praying to God, God, you know it completely. So there is this sense that We have some connection at a deeper level knowing that we are known. And and the question I asked for us today may surprise you a little bit. Is that enough? Is it enough that you know that God knows? Is it enough that you, you, you realize that he is aware of whatever transition you may be going through? 
Because it seems like at the soul level, at our, at our very primal inner, inner person level, we need something more than that. We, and it's great that God knows all about us and knows our comings and our goings, but I, I'll propose to you that at the soul level, we need something just a bit deeper than that. We've been talking about one of the transitions, one of the many transitions in the Bible. Uh, the people of Israel were in captivity in, in Egypt and history, and then there came a moment where God was going to move them out of that into what we know as the promised land, which we know now as, as the nation of Israel. And in that move, before it began, it started with awareness. It began with God sending a message, I know. I know what it's like. I understand where you're at. In Exodus chapter 3, where we'll be, we'll be uh, hovering a bit today, God is now speaking to Moses about this situation. And the Lord said to Moses in Exodus 3, 7, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. It was as if God were saying to us, I, I get it because I see it. And then he doesn't stop at, that, at those words of comfort. He takes it a step further. He says, not only have I seen, but he said, I have heard them crying. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. You see, I look at this passage and I think, think about the kind of God we have. This is not about theology today. It's not about doctrine today because I'll propose to you that in your worst chapter, in your hardest transition, theology is, uh, it, it, it lands in a book. It's important. But we need reality in those transitions. And the reality is that when you lay your head on your pillow and you're crying when no one else can hear you cry and, you're cry and the tears are flowing when no one else can see the tears, this past week, I excused myself. I went into the side of a, outside of the house. I got down on the ground, and I cried the tears that only God could see because as a leader, sometimes we have to be there and be in place, but I needed to, 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 to cry my tears to God. And I had the assurance as my knees were in the dirt that God saw those tears, that God heard the cry, and he understood what was going on. So he sees us. He hears us, and then watch this. Here's the God that we serve. He says, and I'm concerned. You see, there are, there are people, uh, including me, that sometime in their life saw God as a divine separation. That somehow, if I could behave right, if I could do the right rituals and say things right and live as a de decent person, that somehow then God would be concerned with me. And yet God says, no, before a word is on your mouth, I'm concerned with you. Before a tear comes down your face, I'm concerned with you. This is the God that we serve. Two verses away, he says these words, and now the cry of the Israelites has reached me. Let me surprise you. That bothers me. It bothers me at the soul level because when I hear the words that the cry has reached God, it means that he's in a different place. 
It feels like to me that if you ever worked in a business, I've worked in a business where I'm working a high rise, and I've worked in a mail room before, which is typically in the basement. And somehow those words, I don't know, I don't think that's what God intends, but they can come off as if God is at the 87th floor and we're in the mail room. That somehow we've sent a memo to God and it has reached him that it has gone from the mailroom to the, the 87th floor. You see, we live in the, the mailroom. Uh, this, this is where we cry. This is where we anguish. This is where we wrestle. It's not on the 87th floor. And this has nothing to do with income. This is, has nothing to do with socioeconomic background. I don't know about you. It doesn't matter how much money you make in a, or where you live and what kind of house you live. We all live in the mailroom. My, my life is very mailroom-ish. How about you? If you ask me, how's your life going? I, I'm probably never going to say, man, it is penthouse. There is nothing. I mean, it is going. The view from my life is just stunning with all the things, the amazing things that God does all around us, I feel like each of us, we get it when we say, how's your life? Mailroom. That's not bad. It's just mailroom. It's reality. You know, it's, it, it's, it's where we all live. So I'm proposing that it's not enough that we live in the mailroom and somehow our memo, our transition, our our grief, our our struggles, our challenges, our questions, our confusion... Somehow that memo made itself up to the 87th floor. And when God says, it's reached me, I want to be comforted. But somehow, to be honest with you, my soul wants more. And guess what? God gives it. Nestled in between these two verses, between 7 and between 9, this verse 8 describes the most profound description of who God really is. If you don't know who God is, this says it right here. This is the thing that we hold on. This is the reality that we need in the most difficult transition of our life. Not theology, not doctrine, all those are important. This is the reality. We don't need to know that from the mailroom, our message has reached the 87th floor. We do not serve a God who lives in the 87th floor. Watch, this is what he says to the Israelites in verse 8 of Exodus 3. So I have come down. This is the God of the Bible. This is not the God of religion, which makes you go and work yourself up the to, to uh, uh, the third floor, and maybe by chance you get up to the 10th floor. Our God moves down from the 87th floor, and he comes to the mailroom. This is the God of the Bible. This is the God of the New Testament. This is the God that came to earth, lived in the mailroom, and laid himself on a cross. That is the God that we serve. I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up. He comes down to bring us up. That's what this is the God of the Bible. Out of the land into a good and spacious land a land flowing with milk and honey. Now, in that day, when God was revealing this, he came down in very mysterious ways. Sometimes it was a column of fire, as we've seen, that kind of manifested himself 
and this glory in a, in a cloud. And yet I would propose to you that that was not enough. I don't relate to fire all that well or clouds. I relate to real people. So in the fullness of time, at the designated moment in history of humanity, it happened. God came down from the 87th floor and he walked in our mailroom. His name was Jesus. And there's something that happened when Christ came. Not only was he seeing from the 87th floor, as he told Moses, and observing and was concerned, but now through Christ, he was able to walk on the earth eye to eye, tear to tear, heart to heart, soul to soul, and understand because there is a different view in the mailroom. There is a different view from the penthouse and the, and the mailroom. It is very, very different. And because Christ came down, something profound happened. Christ himself went through many transitions. One of them was a, was a friend called Lazarus. He, Lazarus died. He went, Jesus went to the funeral. And when he went to the funeral, he saw people standing around and crying and grieving and in and, and that culture, wailing and screaming and, and, and just uh, letting their emotions flow and be expressed. And I'll propose to you that something seismic happened in that moment. Watch. In John chapter 11, verse 33, Jesus showed up, Mary was there, Martha was there. And, and the, one of these sisters, when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, watch this, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Something happened in the mailroom that day that didn't happen on the 87th floor. When God saw the Israelites, he saw them, he heard them, he was concerned with them, but when Jesus came and walked in the same dirt we walked in and saw people grieving and crying, he was moved and he was troubled in his spirit because he understood us. He understood what we went through. And then the shortest verse of the Bible in, in John eleven thirty five, 35, then he wept. It's a crazy favorite verse to have in the Bible, but it is one of my absolute profound favorite verses because when we see it, we see God on earth in the mailroom crying with the rest of us. It matters that God doesn't just live on the 87th floor. It matters. And it matters because now, now we move from him just knowing to now he understands what it feels like. He understands the traction of our transitions. Make sense? It's a big deal. God could be anybody, to be honest with you. He could have said, I'm not coming down there with those people. I'm not going to take on the weight and the gravity of humanity. And yet he was, and he was willing to do that. Jesus himself went through a lot of transitions. He, I mean, can you imagine? I know it seems crazy, but can you imagine? The Bible says when the fullness of time came, Christ came to earth. 
Can you imagine on the day before he came to earth, the conversation between him and his dad? When the father said to Jesus, it's time, son, knowing, had full knowledge of what was going to happen. Can you imagine that conversation, that transition? Can you imagine the transition of, of one of his closest friends, John the Baptist, being killed? Can you imagine what Christ went through in that transition? Can you imagine in John chapter 6 where he had a great following and then he began to take the message a little more profound and then he saw probably thousands walk away, people coming and going in our culture, they were coming and going back then. And in that transition, Christ understood us and how difficult it was. John chapter 14, he begins to talk about his ultimate transition to heaven. He said to his disciples, do not let your hearts be troubled. You know why he said that? Because their hearts were troubled. He saw it. He felt it. He saw the, the worry in their eyes, the fear in their eyes of what was going to happen next. We don't have all the details. John told us that. I just can't imagine Jesus just, you know, saying it this kind of like the, you know, the, the, the stoic Jesus that we often get in the films that we see about him. But I often wonder if there, with these details of if he went up to someone like John or Philip and he put his hand on their face and drew them in and say, he whispered, don't let your heart be troubled because he got it. He understood the, the difficulty. He understood the transition when everybody ran from him. He understood all these transitions. So there's something that's really important. We begin by saying, hey, it's good for us that God knows, that he sees, he observes, he's concerned. And then Christ comes along and he feels us and he understands us and he understands all the things that, he, that, that we go through because he did too. And yet everything that we've talked about today doesn't, it matters zero if Jesus is laying in a grave somewhere in the Middle East. In other words, we would say, man, he was such a great leader. He was such an historic leader. Man, he really got us. He understood humanity. Wasn't that wonderful? Boy, glad someone in history did. But for us today, as we're living on September 1st, 2019, like, okay, what does that mean? He was just a great guy. But see, this is where the power of Christ comes in because not only did he walk in the mailroom and live in the mailroom with us, but when he was crucified on the cross, he came back. And the power of him coming back is not just to give us the hope of eternity, but the power of him coming back is now he stands between us and the Father, and we have a go-between that actually gets us. So when we're praying to the Father, then, then there is this great understanding right now, not 2,000 years ago, but right now that we're praying to someone who actually totally, completely, utterly, entirely gets us. And I don't know about you, but man, does that matter a lot. So now, in the book of Hebrews, here's what we see, the commentary of the risen Jesus. Watch this. This is absolutely profound. Watch this. This is, this is, this is scary profound, okay? Hebrews chapter 2, verse 17, a commentary on Christ. 
I've capitalized the second and third word for you on the screen. Jesus had to. That means it was mandatory. It was mandatory that Jesus be made like us. It was mandatory that he come to the mailroom to be like his brothers in what? In every way. Why? In order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God. In other words, our go-between. In other words, it was mandatory that he come here, that he become. What? Well, if you become something, that means you weren't something before. Christ had to come to earth in order to get us at the mailroom level so that now he could become even more merciful and more faithful in an entirely different way. So now we have someone that we can speak to. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted with every, in every way, with every weight. Watch this. Here it is. Just as we are. Yet was without sin. Otherwise, he couldn't have died for our sins. Then here it is. Here's why it matters in one sentence. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. If God had not come to earth, we wouldn't have the same level of confidence. If, if God had come to earth in Christ and he died and wasn't risen from the day, we, dead, we wouldn't have the same level of confidence. But Christ came, walked with us, lived in the mailroom, understood us to the depths where he was troubled and moved in his spirit, experienced what we did in every single way, came back from the dead, stands at the right hand of the Father, and he understands us. Therefore, we have the highest confidence when we're going through the roughest transition. You know, I, under, I love to look at the origination of words. And uh, when you look at the word understand, in fact, we can put it up here on the screen, it, it comes from two words, interstanden. Inter means between and among, and stand means I stand. So when we say to each other, oh, I understand, I'm with you. Think about the meaning of that, that Christ has come among us, and now he stands between us and the Father. He's standing there. I wonder what transition you're going through. I wonder what weight you came in through that door with today. I hope that the Word of God supernaturally has taken you to a different level of confidence that it's wonderful to know that God not only knows the words that are on our mouth before we say them, but he understands us at a much deeper level, and he's alive to hear us. Now, here's the final thing. With, as with anything else, God puts the responsibility on us as well. He said, forgive as I forgave you. Be merciful as I've been merciful to you. He says, be holy as I am holy. There are many reflections. Be imitators. Ephesians 5.1, be imitators of God. There, there are many 
scriptures that say this is what God is and this is who God is and we're trying to paint a picture to the world who God is and if we're going to paint a picture to the world it doesn't come in some fancy language it comes and we act like God acts so here's the God of the universe who has come down and says I'm going to understand you and I know how it feels and we go back to the Israelites and one of their regulations that seems so dry has something so beautiful nestled in the center of it. Watch this. Back in Exodus chapter 23, verse 9, they're given some instructions. Exodus 23, verse 9. They're they're told these words, do not oppress a stranger. They come into your midst. Do not oppress a stranger. For you yourself know how it, yourselves know how it feels to be strangers because you also were strangers in Egypt. You see, this is where God lands with it. He says, look, you know what it means to go through a difficult transition, so be on the lookout for those who are transitioning, for those who are in a difficult spot. Be on the lookout because you know how it feels. And now you not only have this feeling that's in your library, but you also have the responsibility that comes with that that library to say, I know how that feels, and I'm going to walk with you, and I'm going to pray. What an amazing God we have. Would you agree? That when we go to our knees, even though we'll never fully understand them, we have this confidence that he understands, that he stands among us, and he stands between us and the Father. What an amazing God. Let me pray with you. Father, We're grateful, God. It seems so, almost so cheap to to even say those words, just that we're grateful, but because they don't capture enough how, how meaningful and important and critical it is for us to, to be able to know that you know. But somehow, God, even if you knew and you were living at a penthouse level and and, and we're in the mailroom, there, there, there's a disconnect that our message has reached you, and yet, God, you stun us by catching the elevator down to where we are. And for that, we're deeply thankful. But we're also deeply thankful, Father, for the fact that Christ is alive right now. The one that stood among us is now the one that stands between us and you, praying for us, interceding for us, understanding us, God. Thank you, Father, when we lay our heads down on our pillow and all the lights are cut out and the things that flood our mind, God, you get it. And that means a lot, God. Thanks for coming to the mailroom. It's where we live our life. It's where we struggle and cry and it's where we fuss and fight. Thanks for coming, God, to the mailroom. Father, 
as any time we gather, we understand that there are those who are, are looking hard for you. They didn't show up to, to sing songs and listen to somebody speak. They didn't come really to a church. They didn't really come for religion or any of that, God. They came because in their soul, they know just by mere spiritual instinct and by you leading God that, that they need you. And today, Father, in living color, we have seen who you really are. Majestic, creator, sure. Amazing worker of miracles, of course. But today, God, we see the core of who you are one that was willing to come to lay down that life on the cross in Jesus. An innocent man of no sin as we've seen in the Bible so that he could die for other sinners. Needed that pure sacrifice that at the shedding of his blood God, humanity had the opportunity for forgiveness. I wonder if that's you today as we're praying. That you would say, man, I want God. I've never had a relationship with God. And, and I've, I don't even know how that begins. Jesus paints a full picture for you. So you'd never have to guess. If you were the only one on the planet, he came to die for you. To bridge that gap between you and God by dying on a cross to forgive all your sins, to come back from the dead so that he could infuse in you the Spirit of God to ignite new life. So much of that may be over your head, but listen, the message is simple. God came for you because he loved you. Won't you depend on him and not yourself? Won't you reach out to him today, would you? To say, I no longer depend on my good behavior. I'm not depending on any ritual, religion, church going, any of that. I want to depend on Jesus Christ alone for my rescue, for my forgiveness. And, and would you say that in your own raw heart language? God, I need you. I want you. Forgive me through Christ. I'm going to depend on that. I trust in Christ, ignite a new life in me. Is that your prayer in your own language? God is not only hearing you, but he's been waiting for you. Father, we, we end this day as we began. We worship you. Our heads are bowed, God, because you're worthy to be bowed before. Father, our our hearts are very respectful in this moment, God, because you are to be respected in, in awe. And yet, God, there's something in our soul that needs you so much at a very close friend level. And for that, God, we worship you. In the name of Jesus.